0: Selling with authenticity, it's building that relationship about the value that you want to make that impact. It
1: can make you happier. others
2: around you. Welcome us. to the Selling from the Heart Podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners, as we explore ways to help you grow your sales.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry
2: Levine. What's going on, Larry? You know what? We got all kinds of things going on. I'm just sitting there thinking, Daryl, we're knocking. We're literally knocking on the door of 2023. Where has this year gone? Tell me where 2022 has gone. It's amazing. And this is a great time to just
1: simply say thank you. Thank you to everybody who is out there selling authentically, developing authentic relationships building meaningful value into everything that they do, all of this around uh, this movement of authenticity in the sales profession that we get to witness here at Selling from the Heart and that all of you get to participate in. I'm just so grateful uh, to see what's happening and what's ahead and from the bottom of our hearts to everybody that's listening and sharing the podcast. And that would be you if you're listening right (laughs) now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We so appreciate you.
2: Yeah, we always say here at Selling from the Heart, especially when it comes to authenticity, authenticity is a lifestyle. It's not a light switch. Think about that one for a second.
1: It is. And this is a a time of gratitude and this is a time of community as well. I want to say a huge thank you to everybody in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. If you listen to the podcast, you know this is the community of sales professionals that are heart-centered. And if you're looking for like-hearted people to hang out with and to encourage you motivate you and hold you accountable as you move forward. You need to come be a part of the Selling from the Heart Insiders group.
2: Yeah. You know what I really like about this is it's a mixture. It's a mixture of sales professionals, sales leaders, all tenure from people just entering the sales force to some of the most tenured salespeople out there. But what I really like about it is everybody comes together on one cause to help each other become better. Absolutely. So if you want
1: to experience this and you do go to selling slash free dash pass, that's selling slash free dash pass. And guess what you get? You get a free pass. <laughs> you get a, who doesn't want a free pass. You can come. It's like the hall pass you used to get in high school, Larry. Oh uh, yeah. It's but, like, but
2: that hall pass that I got, that was for different reasons, but nevertheless,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you can get a free pass to the next up close and personal. And we've got an incredible roster of amazing people coming to spend an hour with us up close and personal, many of them um, alumni of the Selling from the Heart podcast. So make sure to check that out, sellingfromtheheart.net slash free pass. You know, here, as we're sitting here at the end of the year, The reality, Larry, is as much as we're doing, as much as going on, it's like there's a paradox right now. There's a (laughs) paradox. And our guest today, Dr. Howard Dover, is here to talk about the paradox of innovation in sales. We're going to have a fascinating conversation. Dr. Dover, welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Hey, great seeing you. Great to be here. It's
2: been a while, Larry, right? So I, I can't believe this. I'm sitting here going, you're not going to believe this, Dr. Dover. It's been seven years since we met. Can really? you believe wow. that?
0: Was, that it was, was it the Bellagio or was yeah, it? It yeah. was the
2: It was no, it was at a Bellagio. So a special shout out to Scott McGregor is a near and dear friend of mine. And Scott and I, well, actually, Scott was talking to you. At the Bellagio, it was a it was a LinkedIn event. This goes October right. 2015. I walked up and just tapped Scott on the shoulder, and all of a sudden, all three of us got into a great conversation. We've stayed connected. We talk every now and then, and I'm like going, "It's seven years ago."
0: Yeah, that was the that was the moment where they back back when they let the uh, the foxes in the hen house, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we've got oh, a great- few
0: people understand that. Reference. Oh Lord!
1: <laughs> well, I'm excited about this conversation, Dr. Dover. But as we get started, you know the question that every guest on the Selling from the Heart podcast answers, and that is, what does it mean to you to sell from the
0: heart? Well, I think at the end of the day, if you're not passionate about helping people with selling, then I. I I think you're probably not going to be somebody I, I talk to a lot. So I think we have, we have the great opportunity to make impact by changing people's lives, by showing them the future through products and services that will make life better. And, and it's, it's a wonderful profession. And that, that's what it means to me.
2: No, I, I love this because hats off to you because you, you're on the ground floor of working with students. Who are passionate? They want to learn, and they're excited about the world of sales. So you're on the ground floor of this. So you, you I mean, hats off to you because you get them right at the very beginning before they. But I always say before they get tainted.
0: <laughs> well, you know, th- th- lots of people say, talk. <laughs> I, I, they say, you know, how do I accomplish what you accomplish? And I said, well, I, I do, and I don't know because I don't have a sales manager and doing my work every yeah. day or next week because I get them for a year or two and then I get to ingrain a new way of going to market then when the sales manager says hey it's my way or the highway they go <laughs> highway sounds good highway there you go good. i know what i'm doing and you're wrong i'm right i'm going to move to the next highway okay. and and whereas you know a lot of other people it it it's actually you know we discuss it in the book at the the back is the inertia issues You know, you can't blame a sales manager who has developed their validity with the way they do things. They are comfortable showing people what they know. Hmm. And so the second you come in and do something they don't know, that becomes, you know, that becomes hard. And and a good leader is going to learn there, but a leader who's threatened is going to feel threatened there and you're going to have conflict.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, first of all, thank you for all that you're doing in your work at the University of Texas in Dallas in the sales profession. I think it is just so exciting to see in more and more business schools picking up and diving deep into sales. And you guys have been pioneers in this. So first of all, thank you. I think it's huge for our profession. And second of all, massive congratulations on the uh, launch of your new book. I'm looking at it right here, The Sales Innovation Paradox. Very, very fascinating book. What is the paradox of innovation that you discovered as you were putting this book together?
0: Well, I, if, you, if you know much about the University of Texas at Dallas, we're, our marketing department is one of the few quant schools in the country. Mm. So we're a bit, the fact that we have a sales program is a bit of a paradox in and of itself. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: um,
0: but I, 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 I use that to lead in to the fact that I've studied things like the experience curve. I've studied things like Moore's law and, and this, the experience curve, I'm not going to be overly academic because this is an academic setting, but basically <laughs> it says that, that when we deploy technology over a period of time, we actually reduce the cost by a certain percentage. Um, and it's really every time you double production, you really should be reducing the price about 50%. Moore's law was something else, but, Basically, so when I got into sales aggressively, I started asking some of my other professors, like, hey, does the experience curve function in sales? And they're like, hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, they're all behavioralists. They studied behavioral. I studied mathematical models. And, and so as I saw technology coming in, I started saying, well, okay, the issue is we're not, we're not doing enough to deploy the technology. Well, then we did and it didn't get any better and so i was like wait a minute this was a research question right i'm an academic so i had a research question which was hey if we deployed all this technology and we have over the last 3 to 5 years and we haven't gotten any better why
1: hmm.
0: and that's so the paradox is we've deployed technology but we're not better and and so the so the the book answers the question why 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 are we not better off than we should be, because the experience curve experience curves should be functioning even in sales, but it's not.
2: I and mean, this is good stuff. I'd
0: just be curious, why aren't we better? Well, there's a lot of different factors. So, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of different systems operating simultaneously. Um, the first one is that we aren't deploying technology in the way that we could today. So we're not, we're not harnessing it as far as we could. That's the first problem. The second problem is that we have about five different cycles occurring at the same time. And we're stuck in the industrial revolution principles of management of scaling. So we we, we train and scale based off of what we know how to do. And yet the modern moments in which we're in don't really work for the models we're deploying in this moment. And, and when, we, when we look at really the economic issues of today, right now, I mean, right now, as we're having multiple global uh, geopolitical issues hitting us simultaneously, the customer is shifting, the business is shifting, the seller is shifting, but they're not all shifting in the right space because we train salespeople off a of methodology, not off of where the customer is going person. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's so interesting. My observation has been watching companies deploy technology and, and this goes to individual salespeople as well. And in, in how we use technology and in that we think putting new technology in is going to be the thing that that fixes the problem. <laughs> Before the <laughs> show, we were talking about the machine gun, right? of Of sales technology. Yet um, if that machine gun is not uh, loaded with the right ammunition and if it's not pointed in the right direction, it's some ways maybe this technology is doing more damage than it's doing good.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if it so, there's two things, if if I can bring them in, let's 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 talk about what you said and then let me bring it into another space. Mm-hmm. So if you have not trained your people to deploy the technology appropriately, then you're going to rely on the skill they had. Mm. The best way to describe this is go back, for those who've seen the Iron Man movie, um, when, when Robert Downey Jr. gets in the suit the first few times <laughs> when he's back at his place, he, he, he tries to fly, it, it's, it's kind of brutal, he almost kills himself, but <laughs> he doesn't have the skill to fly. And right, He doesn't have the skill to do everything, but, he, but he's used to walking and punching like he was a regular guy. And, and so same thing here. When we equip a human being with the ability to augment their capacity, that doesn't necessarily mean that the movements they were making before, the motions they were making before are the same motions you should make in an augmented space. Hmm. Now, let me take that to the extreme for a second. I truly believe we are in a world where we should be able to do the following. Um, but we're not. But we should be able to do the following. All the technology exists to do what I'm about to say. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, hey, Alexa, because I have something else in my office. <laughs> off. if, I say, if I say something else. <laughs> I'm going say I'm not an Alexa man, but I- I'd have
1: You're going to use the S word, yes.
0: The other, the other two will respond. You <laughs> should be able to say to a voice command, hey, Alexa, give me a market that addresses the following issues, which has the following ICP, and get me the people who would actually be the most likely people to respond to my message. Can you create a nurturing campaign? Can you also set an auto-dialer campaign? Can you go ahead, and and by the way, can you just book the appointment for me? And if they're (laughs) they're available right now, could you just ring me and let me know that it's time to go? Now, technically, we're there. Mm. Nobody's doing this, actually not quite that far, but Microsoft's really, really close. Hmm. Um, they've got an automated machine that's actually absolutely amazing. It isn't, It isn't hey, Alexa, but it's, it's, it's basically AI that's constantly churning and just telling the salesperson, this is really cool. When I went to their Dublin facility, I, I asked them about what it's like, and they said, well, I come in at 10 in the morning, or nine in the morning, eight in the morning, whatever it is. And it has created a priority list for me to email this person, call that person. And it's all based off probability metrics. And they're extremely efficient. So I get up and I go take my coffee break for 10, 15 minutes. I come back. The whole thing has been rejiggered. In real time, it's it's readjusting based off what I sent out, who responded, who opened. If I sent out an email, somebody opened and then went to our webpage, then that's probably the person I should call right away because they mm-hmm. asked for it. What whatever the case may be. So, th- by the way, that that visit is pre-pandemic, so we're further ahead now than we were back then. So the ability is the issue is that the technology has leapfrogged mm-hmm. our ability to deploy it currently.
2: This is kind of, this is fascinating stuff. T- totally fascinating. I'm as it as it relates to this technology and your research. How do you see, and applying this back, Doctor Dover, into the sales world for a second? How do you see this crossing generational divides? I would just be curious on, hmm. and this is and this is interesting because I'm because uh, I'm the tail end of the boomers, right? I am the last hey, of boomer. the boomers. Hey, boomer. And Daryl's a Gen Xer, but if you think about it, right, all the younger generation that's coming into University of Texas at Dallas, all the younger generation has grown up with this technology and so forth. I'd just be curious what you're saying in the research,
0: in the book. What's it telling us? So um, this is really going back more to what we learn at UTD because we go live to market every six months. All of our students actually do outbound selling. They, they do prospecting. They do meetings. They, they try to close deals. And, and so we get, a, we get a pretty good feel of the pulse of the market every six months. Um, what, what we're realizing is that there isn't one segment. So, by the way, you know that I, I love the old argument that cold calling is dead. Well, it is. <laughs> it, it is. It is dead for the segments that don't pick up the phone. But it's alive and well. For those who pick up the phone
2: yeah mm-hmm.
0: email is dead except for the people who pick up and respond to emails by the way huh, direct mail oh my gosh why, why do we still get postcards can you believe that we still get cataloged well apparently people still order from them so here's the issues is we have so many more segments of behavioral shift right that's what we talk, I talk a lot about behavioral shift in the book because the, I think it's very important to understand that each, it's not only generational because um, eventually even a boomer starts acting like a, a millennial. I, we went to the Louvre. My wife, I went to France. I got to present. My wife went to the Louvre. Isn't that the way it goes? Of course. <laughs> I was in a conference and my wife, So I, I see her at the end of the day and I said, hey, how was the Mona Lisa? And she said, it was horrible. By the way, that's not normally what you'd hear about the Mona Lisa, right? They'd say, oh, I just stared at it for hours. I stared at it for hours. So it was horrible. It was horrible. Why was it horrible? She goes, all I could see was the Mona Lisa through everybody's phones.
1: Hmm.
0: And she goes, everybody had their cameras up, and they were taking pictures of the Mona Lisa, or they were taking pictures of themselves in front of the Mona Lisa. (laughs) And I said, oh, we got to go back. I want to get a picture of that. And she's like, "Why you're so weird?" And I said, "No, that's that's behavioral shift, right? That's behavioral shift because, and I wanted to get a picture because I wanted to see, and I was fairly certain that I would see Larry the Boomers (laughs) taking selfies because right, and us Xers would be taking selfies, but back then it was all about the millennials, those dumb millennials that do blah 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 taking selfies everywhere. But and sure enough, and when I did keynotes before the pandemic about the Iron Man suit, I, I. I would say, and here's the Mona Lisa. And then I would zoom in on this guy that looked like he was 70 taking a selfie. Mm. (laughs) And I said, really? So it's just the millennials, is it? That looks like a boomer. Because what happens is what behavioral shift occurs to the younger generation also occurs psychologically to the other generations, Mm. just with a lag effect. Mm -hmm. When you think about that, you know, uh, Daryl, you're kind of a marketing guy, right? So this creates massive amounts of segments. Mm -hmm. It's not easy segmentation anymore. We've got people that are in segments, but they don't stay there because they're shifting. Yeah, So that's why we've got a paradox, right? There's a lot of reasons for the paradox. A lot of it's that our buyer is in a constant state of shift, but our sales organizations really like the scale. Mm. We just like the scale because it's easy. I can train people on whatever methodology and I, I know how to hire, spin them up, give them a phone, give them an email, give them a, a sales engagement platform, and say, go. Because I know how to do that. But what I what's hard is when I say, oh, by the way, when you reach out to them, they may be in the midst of buying their first iPhone. So you probably wouldn't want to call them because they don't like people calling them that don't, or they've had a, they've had that iPhone forever and they expect you to call them. Well, which one is it?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How do you train to that? Well, school of hard knocks is what we, right. It's, we have a survival of the fittest model within sales. You know, it's, it's kind of a do or die culture out there and not, not for, not for world-class sales organizations, by the way, but, for most organizations, 80 to 90% of the market out there, it's a do or die world. And so the survivalists figure out a way. They figure out sometimes things that aren't from the heart, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, I think what was so interesting in the book is just that awareness. And I think this simple but profound awareness that the buyer's world is changing from a technology standpoint. They're always going through these cycles of innovation. Um, it we've just talked about, and the seller's world is changing from a technology standpoint. You've got all of these things in motion right now, and this is a it's a very interesting but somewhat challenging time um, in sales. And I do see the paradox. So, what what advice so to the sales professional and, and let's address the sales professional that might not be in that top 20% world-class organization that's got this dialed in and figured out um, to the sales professional that is out there trying to, you know, figure this out on their own. They may not have a, a, you know, with it, uh, sales enablement team in place. What do you say, um, to that sales professional who's out there trying to navigate things right now? What advice would you give to them?
0: Um, first thing is, is do everything you can to be competent so that you can choose to be around great leaders. So that, that, that's really the best advice. But given that you are not, right, that you're struggling or that you're mm-hmm. trying to figure this out, that, that that becomes a problem. That's what I tell my students all the time. I said, listen, competency is a choice. And competency is like gold in the market." So if you do what you plan to do, you follow up, you actually think about what needs to be done. You're going to outperform most people because they don't follow up, mm-hmm. right? I hit my number. I'm like, woohoo, and I don't follow up. Amazing, competent people hit their number and keep following up, keep following up. They keep going because they, they, they once again, I think with the theme, right, from the heart, they, they know that they're trying to help people So they keep on going, you know, when somebody responds, they're gonna do things. I think the other thing, the biggest thing is to understand this concept. So um, Left Bonnie at Florida State uh, did some work around what he calls situational intelligence and situational relevance. So what this means is that you need to assess both the situation that the buyer finds themselves in and the personality that that person's in. So the firmographics and the demographics come together to create a situational reality. Uh-huh. You have situational fluency at that particular moment, you can be relevant. And when you're relevant, your customer wants to talk to you. The challenge is when we use scripts or when we, 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 we use, we don't get the intelligence. We just say what we, we, we intend to say. we, We've I call it verbal vomit mm-hmm. when we feature dump and do other things that are completely irrelevant. Then the customer doesn't really find value in the moment, and they'll not they'll ghost you right. They won't talk to you again. But if you're relevant, they'll talk to you all the time. Um, and and so this doesn't require a lot of effort. It does require thinking differently. Um, so it's it's going into Navigator and doing what we call a pre-motion right. Before I talk to this customer that, that is responding to me, I want to go get the relevance of the company, the relevance of the individual. I want to see whether they're growing. I want to see how long that person's been enrolled. If I can use another company, um, I, I'm on I'm on the board of XIQ because I, I think the technology is just freaky cool around personality profiles. Mm-hmm. So if I figure out what disk profile you are, I could actually change the way I communicate with you based off your disk preferences. So I can actually decide if you're a D, I'm going to be shortened to the point. If you're an I, I'm going to give you a lot of detail, right? So these kind of things allow me to once again, be situationally relevant and my tone can be appropriate to the person I'm talking to, to the moment. If I could find out where they are in the buyer's journey in the jobs to be done framework by Gartner. Oh my gosh. What my customer would almost fall over <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah. who, are you? who are you, right?
2: Right. And it's, I mean, I love this word, relevancy. You also use the word competence. And this is where I think if, if salespeople just really need to double down on this, is, yeah. you know, scripts are wonderful, but only to a certain degree, you got to make those your own so you can become conversationally competent. Yes. And I think this is where salespeople straight across the board are really struggling with, is how do I have a relevant, competent, conversation with a decision maker.
0: Well, if, it, for example, let's, let's talk about this for a minute, Larry, if I were to reach out to you and I say, Hey, Larry, you're, uh, congratulations on your book. I've read your book. read your book. I haven't read your book, but let's say I've read, right. <laughs> if, or, if I'm your, I'm a sales guy, right. Yeah. I've read your book, ha-ha, right. And, and it's great. And by the way, and then I pitch, well, you, you know I just bait and switched you? Oh yeah. You, you 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 feel that wasn't real. Now what if I if I spent the time to say, and I, I'm not doing this, but Larry, if I could, you know, I go back and I say, How long have you been doing um the the selling by the heart concept? Has it been like seven years, right? Six, seven years?
2: That's it's been since pod, the podcast five and a half years now. Yep.
0: So five and a half years, and I say, Hey, Larry, you know, I recognize you've been doing this for <laughs> half years and 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 because we talked about it your book fell down (laughs) that that was that was perfect timing that was you jinxed jinxed me man this is being done on halloween (laughs) and
1: then
0: and then i say things like hey you know i i I can see you with scott mcgregor he's doing great work you're doing great work and i was just wondering if there's a way that i could maybe help you further the vision of what you're trying to do And if I were relevant and if I if I understood additional elements of your company, um, and specifically if I noticed you were looking at other things or I looked at some of your posts, and and it isn't just saying, Oh, I read your post from yesterday. Wow, it's it's relevancy, right? The deeper I can yep. understand your situation, how you make money, and what is my relevancy to you, people are people are longing for this. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yet we're in a sea of sameness. Yep. And so that's what you're fighting. When you get in that inbox or you get the phone call or you you approach your customer, the sea of sameness has created a reaction. That's the other cycle, right? That sales innovation behavioral shift. When everybody does the same thing, then the customer knows you're pitching and you're you're an irrelevant salesperson. How do I get rid of you?
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: why I say no empty suits all the time. It just, yeah. you know, it just conjures up exactly what you just said.
1: I love it, Doctor Dover. Thank you so much for sharing time here on the podcast. And I, I'm just curious for all of our listeners who would like to learn more about not only the sales innovation paradox, which go by the book. It's really chock full of very fascinating, uh, thought provoking research and conclusions. But also for those who want to learn more about what's going on at UT Dallas and the sales program, how can people uh, get more Dr. Dover in their lives?
0: Well, UTD has a hashtag. It's hashtag UTD sales. Nice. Um, We we are very aggressive on LinkedIn. Um, So if you ever want to follow what we do, that's a great place. And I want to give a, a quick shout out. I'm not the only sales program in the country. There are um, mm-hmm. over 70 sales programs recognized by the University Perfect Sales wow. Center Alliance, and over 200 programs worldwide recognized by the Sales Education Foundation's annual report. So there's probably a sales program right near whoever's listening, not Good just the As for the book itself, uh, it's on Amazon and all major booksellers, and um Soon, will by, by the time we this hits, uh, there will be an institute that will be launched that will be continuing to study these wonderful issues. So, um, you know, it's it, the book was the beginning. There's a lot to document about who's winning, mm-hmm. and um, and and then how to develop some diagnostics around how to figure out how do you how do you fix this from an organizational perspective.
1: Love it, love it, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing time today, and um, I have a feeling you'll be back, uh, especially as that institute spins up. Congratulations, and once again, we appreciate all the work you're doing to advance the sales profession. Thank you.
2: Hey, thank you.
1: Awesome, oh. awesome, just fascinating. Right. And you know, here's what's so cool about all of this is with all the technology. And if anyone listens, listen to the podcast for a while, you know I'm the nerd. Darryl's I love a all tech this nerd. Stuff. I love the innovation um, and all of that, but at the end of the day, you can have all the technology in the world, but if you don't show up with authentic relationship and meaningful value, the two anchors of what we talk about with the trust formula and, and you're irrelevant and, yeah. and you can have all the technology in the world, you can stay on top of it and you should, Um, doesn't matter what age bracket or demographic you're in. We need to stay on top of that, but we always have to remember at the end of the day that we've got to sell from the heart. We've got to bring authentic relationship and meaningful value for these things to work.
2: And it just goes back. I I mean, I, I use this word over and over. We shared it with Dr. Dover on the podcast. You must become conversationally competent. You must Mm -hmm. leverage the technology out there to help you, but you got to use your voice. You got to be relevant. You got to be real. You got to be relatable with all this. Become conversationally competent. Watch what happens to your success as a sales professional.
1: I love it. And back all that up with just giving a rip. (laughs) Actually caring and being curious. There's so many many great things out of this conversation today. By the way, if you want to continue conversations like this with your peers, other heart-centered sales professionals and sales leaders, come join us at the Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. We get together every Friday and every second Friday, we do an up close and personal with a thought leader. And it's a great opportunity to just get up close and personal, to ask questions and really uh, ponder the things. I always leave with an insight that's helpful. So if you want to come to a future one, sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. Larry, we got good things coming up here. Christmas is around the corner in the new year yeah exciting announcements no
2: we got great things i can't wait to drop some announcements here shortly just a little premature on it but there are going to be some exciting stuff we're getting ready to drop
1: all right so make sure to like and subscribe and thank you to everybody who's leaving reviews and sharing the podcast it helps us move this movement of authenticity forward in the sales profession and yes you are a part of that movement of authenticity if you made it this far into the podcast (laughs) you're a part of the club so thank you for all you're doing and until next time. Keep being genuine, keeping authentic, keep adding real value, drive innovation, and most of all, sell from the heart.
2: Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the Salescast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.